Yeah, this is our, uh, this is our um, mission statement as a church. Might be a little hard to see, but I'll read it for you. We exist to exalt God in everything, to engage people with the gospel, to equip people as followers of Christ, and to empower everyone for ministry. This is why we say we exist. Um, and it, there's a reason why exalt God in everything is first. Because everything that we do as followers of Jesus and every way that we attempt to see um, kingdom ministry and work, his, his mission done in this city has to flow out of our relationship with him. It has to begin there. If, if we are not uh, alive in him, if we are not filled with his strength and joy and power and life, and if we are not intimate with the Father, then we have nothing to pass on to others, right? Our, the hope we share with them is not, hey, come and join our club. It's not, come and join our religion. It's come and meet the Jesus that has transformed my life, right? And it has to flow out of that intimate relationship with God. If I have a title for today's message, and today's, uh, today's message is not as, as structured as, uh, as I usually am, um, and, and that's okay. I, I've decided to be okay with that. So uh, if you're not, get over it. But um, but if I had a title, it would be Draw, draw Near. Draw Near. Everything we do should flow out of, needs to flow out of our relationship with the Father. We exist, more than anything, we exist for Him. We exist for His glory. We exist to bring Him glory. We exist to be in relationship with Him. That's why He created humans. That we might know Him and walk with Him and be in relationship with Him. And in the process, bring Him glory in this world. Right? God is not looking... For slaves to do his work. He is looking for sons and daughters to know his heart. I'm going to say that again and then I'm going to come back to it later, uh, later this morning. But God is not looking for slaves to do his work. He is looking for sons and daughters who know his heart. And then we will do his work, right? As partners with him because we carry the same passion as him. As Jesus said, not as hirelings, 
who run away at the first sign of trouble, who run away when the wolf comes, but as sons and daughters who own with him the responsibility and the, and the zeal and the passion for seeing his mission accomplished in our city. Because we know him, and we know what matters to him, and we know his values, we know his heart, and we will, we will we'll run for him, right? Donald, come on up now. I think I was trying, trying to figure out when we were going to do this, but come on up. Donald shared with me a, uh, I guess we'd call it a vision that he had, um, or a dream, I can't, you'll tell us, um, recently, and, uh, and he said he felt it wasn't just for him, but was for the church, and so I've asked him to, to just share, share that with us this morning. Good morning, all. I don't necessarily call it a vision. In worship, in praise and thanksgiving on Wednesday at our Connect group, when my heart was set on things above, it's like you get a peek through there. So it's a seeing. So you see something you've never seen before. And literally, I've never seen this before. Heaven is occupied. It would be like a beehive a buzz. Christ is occupied with the business of the Father. And what I was seeing, there was many, many who were about the Father's business as it would be, but there was no commotion. Everything was orderly and decent. And in the midst of it all, there was one who simply express this, I need to be humble, who was receiving, validating, and signing off, and dispatching. And while he was doing it, I mean, all that were there were seeking to pass their business through this one who alone is authorized to do business for the Father. But there was peace, there was quietness, there was, it was beautiful. And there was this sense of delight. But what really blew me away is he was so occupied about his father's business, administrating the kingdom resources to accomplish the heavenly purpose on the earth. Yet, I'm looking at Karen, because if Karen was me in that moment, and I was the person who was authorizing, validating the request, and authorizing the dispatch, there'd be several transactions taking place from heaven, as would be, I suspect, to earth. And then every now and then, it would be. And when the eyes locked between the person who was on earth and the person who was in heaven, there was just this sense of the good pleasure of him who had all authority in heaven and earth to transact the business of heaven on earth. Validated and dispatched. But never so occupied that his eye wasn't, wasn't always taking an opportunity to lock on with his children, with his mm. people. 
in such a sense of true love. So, of course, it's hard when you see something. And I am a seer. I see. And a picture is worth a thousand words. Mm. I try to paint that picture with words, but it's very difficult. I was even tempted to do a pantomime. And I'm saying, how am I going to get this whole church occupied in heavenly transactions, seeking validation in the Lord Jesus Christ and expecting in their validation a dispatch to be released for kingdom purposes to be accomplished on the earth. How would you pantomime that? So I said, Father, the thing that struck me most was his eye upon me in that moment and his eye is upon each and every one of us in our asking, in our seeking, in our knocking, we are, his eye is upon us. We are the apple of his eye. He cares. But he's not anxious. Mm. He's at peace. The gates of Hades are not prevailing mm. against the church of Jesus Christ. Mm. So I said, Father, what would be a word that best explains what I was seeing when the gaze was connected? And it says in Luke chapter 12, verses 29 to 32. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. It's the father's good pleasure. It's his delight. That when we are occupied with the kingdom's business, the father delights to be occupied with our business. Because if it's koinonia, from heaven to earth and everything in between, it is one intent. As it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then we won't have the testimony of James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, where he says, you ask, but he said, but you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. But if your pleasure, your desire is to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things will be added onto you and onto us, each and every one. So, the Lord's Prayer. May God grant us a passion to cast out the tradition of praying prayers, even what we call the Lord's Prayer. Let's not say prayers. Let's pray. Mm. Let's earnestly desire what the word is saying. Father in heaven, your name be hallowed. Right here, mm. right in our midst. Your king in his dominion, let it become a reality. Right here in our midst. And your good pleasure, it says, your will be done. The word there, Theomai, means what you prefer. Your preference. What pleases you. Let it come. Right here. Let it make, make itself manifest. Let's make that our desire. And out of that desire, express our prayers before the Father. And you can be sure those are valid prayers. You will receive what you are asking. Jesus will see to it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Don. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate that picture of the uh, in the midst 
Sometimes we get this idea, God's, God's too busy running the universe, pay attention to me, right? But that picture of in the midst of it, the knowing, intimate look that just falls upon each of us, right? And that it's out of that intimacy with him that he wants to do what he does in us and through us. We, uh, as a church, we, we exist for the glory of God, but we also exist for the sake of our city. We exist for the sake of our city. We are here. God has planted this church here. And the churches in this city here. To partner with God to see men and women and teens and children rescued from darkness and become sons and daughters of the Father. Become disciplined in the faith so that they too can partner with God and be part of what he's doing, right? In, in our flesh, we want to exist for ourselves. We want to exist for ourselves. We would like to have a big church, an important church, a full church, a church people talk about in the right way, <laughs> right? In the good way. The temptation of pastors and parishioners alike is to want to build a big church. Get more people in the seats. Entice people from other churches if we have to, to come to our church so we can be the best thing in town. But we don't exist for us. We don't exist because Evangel is an important organization that God wants to prop up and make sure it keep, continues to exist. In fact, I'm not sure that he cares about making us a great organization. He cares about his kingdom coming to Bathurst and his glory touching the lives of people in the region who do not yet know him. And if we focus on what he wants, we focus on his kingdom come, building his kingdom, not building something for us. We focus on building his kingdom. We might become a great church in the process. But that ought not to be our primary goal. God did not send his son into this world because he wanted church buildings on every corner. He sent his son because of his great love for the lost and broken people in this world. You know, some of the greatest leaders our church will ever see, I believe this, some of the greatest, church, greatest leaders our church will ever see are out there somewhere, addicted, 
trapped in sin, lost, rebelling against God, maybe even insisting there is no God. They are not yet saved, but God loves them and wants us to partner with him to reach them. Most of you here had someone in your life that God sent along the way at just the right time to share the hope of Christ with you. And that's why you are here, right? That person, whoever that was, they had the love of Christ burning in their heart for people like you. They had a boldness that came from the power of the Spirit at work in their lives. And they told you that there was a hope that you did not yet understand. But if you just trusted in Jesus and gave him your life to follow him, that he would make you a new person and you're here today because they cared. They acted. They were obedient. I've been processing, as Pam shared some of them here this morning, processing some of the, the things that, we've, that, that were shared with us, pictures and scriptures and different things, that prophetic words that were shared with us during our week of prayer, as we collectively prayed together, and, and also um, with the team that was here last weekend. One of the pictures that was received during our week of prayer was a, a field filled with red roses as far as the eye could see. And the sense from that vision was the huge love of Jesus for our city. And if we draw near to God to catch his heart, we will discover that he doesn't just love the Christians in this city. He doesn't just love the people who live the way we think they should. He doesn't just love who we think. But he loves the elderly person who is lonely and has a life full of regrets. He loves the teenager who is angry he loves the child who is overwhelmed with anxiety. He loves the couple who can't see how they can make their marriage last. He loves the person who's been living as a prodigal for 25 years and hasn't discovered yet that their path won't bring them the happiness they thought it would. His love for this city is immense. Pam shared one of the, one of the words that, uh, that I was going to share this morning. Prepare, prepare. What is going to happen will happen suddenly, and you will stand in amazement. You know, we've, we've heard things like this before. For some time now, we've been praying into words that came about five years ago, six years ago. Um, get ready, get ready, get ready. We've been praying into a, 
prophetic word that we received about a, a tsunami of revival that would come and would hit, hit Bathurst and move out from, from here to affect the region around us. Sometimes I think we can get discouraged and jaded when, uh, when we hear those kinds of words again and again and it hasn't happened yet. And for just a moment during the week of prayer, when I, when I heard some of the, the things that were being, being said, I had that, that response Right? Like, um, God, I've heard this before. When is it going to happen? Can it really be from you if we're hearing the same thing and it hasn't happened yet? And right away I heard a rebuke from the Lord that just said, but that's the way it works. I speak my promise to you and then you hang on to it and you pray into it and you believe for it and you walk into it and you walk as though it's, it's actually what I'm going to do. You walk in faith and you, when you hear it again, it's an encouragement to grab a hold of it again and walk into it again and to keep trusting me again because my timing is not your timing. Right? We hear something from the Lord and we're expecting Him to do it next week. And that's just not the way He works. But He works. And He fulfills His promises. And so we keep preparing, we keep praying. We keep walking in unity and walking in obedience to what we know he is saying. Trusting that when he's ready, we're going to see something that will amaze us. Not so we can have a big church, but so that the kingdom of God will come in Bathurst. Just in your family circles alone, I'm sure, there are dozens of people that you want to see come to Christ. Right? We need a move of God here. One of the things, another thing that was that was shared during the week of prayer was that we would see God's, we would see God do what he's going to do when, when, your, when our obedience is complete. When our obedience is complete. So maybe it's not God holding things up, maybe it's us, Right? God, I want to dr draw near. I want to draw near, Jesus. I want to know, is there some way that I'm not walking in obedience to the call that you have for me? Not because you're looking to, you're waiting to smite me, right? But because 
what I'm praying for is being held up. If I'm not walking in alignment with what I'm praying for. Does that make sense? If I'm, if I'm praying for people to come to Jesus, but I never talk to anybody about Jesus, well, that, how are they going to come to know him, right? Right? Um, another one I shared briefly last week. I am, I am able, I am willing. Right? God's promised to us that he, he wants to work. He's willing to work. He's willing to do what needs to be done so that They might flow into next week. I don't know. Um, trying to decide how much to take on here. Um, let me share this with you. We're, I've got a, a bunch more uh, that I wanted to do to engage us with some of the things that were spoken over our church. But I want to get to, I got, want to, get to a couple scriptures and land the plane um, because I want, to, I want to give us time to respond to the Lord this morning. Um, God, God is looking for people who will make, who will draw near, for people who will make relationship with him a priority. And uh, and oftentimes what happens is people people are not willing because of the cost, usually, that they think it's going to be to draw near to him, to get too close, right? And we end up being, becoming spectators from afar. And we end up becoming religious instead of living in intimacy with the Father. And... Uh, In, in Exodus 19, this is where God has delivered the, the Israelites out of Egypt. He's brought them to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Uh, God's glory and presence has come down on the mountain. And, uh, and God is going to give Moses the, the law, right? I mean, he's, God is starting a, a whole new nation, the nation of Israel. And he's going to give them basically a, a national constitution, right? Here's how you live as a nation. And, and, uh, but, but he wants more than that. 
He wants a people who will love him and worship him and live for him. But he knows that there will only, there, there will only be some who will, who will take that step. So he has to give the law so that the, the whole nation behaves, right? We're told, in, I don't have time to get into it this morning, but we're told in Galatians that the purpose of the law was basically to be our nanny until we meet Jesus, <laughs> right? To make sure that we behave until we meet Jesus. And then he comes and he changes us from the inside out. And now we want to live for God because he's touched us on the inside. He's changed us from the inside. But when we stay a law-focused people, a people who are focused on the things we ought to do, the things we should do, then we're standing at a distance. And we've not let Jesus truly... We're not, we've not allowed the intimacy that God wants to have with us as sons and daughters to happen. And so, um, verse 20 um, of Exodus 19, the Lord descended the top of Mount Sinai, called Moses to the top of the mountain, so Moses went up. And the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people do not force their way through to see the Lord, and many of them, uh, and many of them perish. It was God's glory was powerful, and he he wanted to make sure they didn't. They came close, but not too close. And uh, even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves. The Lord will. So Moses said to the Lord, "The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai because you've 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 warned us. You've set limits around the mountain." The Lord replied, "Go down." Bring up Aaron with you, um, but make sure people don't press too close. Um, and, uh, and then God speaks the words of the commandments from the mountain. Um, then verse 18 of chapter 20, going, going, jumping ahead. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. God has come to test you um, so that the fear of God will, be, will keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. God wanted a people who would want him. And the people said, Moses, you go, you go have intimacy with God. We're going to go over here and we're going to go over here and have a party. You know, we're going to go over here and hang out. You tell us, you let us know what he said. No thanks. Right? In Exodus 33, verse 7, it says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp 
some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. So this was not the tabernacle. This was a, before the tabernacle was built, this was a place to go and meet with God. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. So it was a place for anyone to go and meet with God. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of God standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses established a place in his life for intimacy with God. He invited the nation to join him. One person said yes. Is it any wonder that Joshua was picked by the Lord to be the next leader after Moses, right? Joshua was entrusted with leadership because he had a heart to pursue intimacy with the Father. But the whole rest of the nation were comfortable worshiping from a distance. It was religion without intimacy. So I'll say it again. But God is not looking for slaves to do his work. He's looking for sons and daughters who know his heart. This has been true from the beginning. And I believe even now that one of the things that is holding, holding back what God wants to do is that we have too often been content worshiping from a distance. God is saying it's time to draw near. It's time to draw near. It's costly, yes. But I believe God does want to do something 
so much more than you and I want God to do something in our city. God wants to do something in our city. Like if, if our desire is here, his desire is like through the roof, right? It's not because God doesn't want to do something that God hasn't done something. And if God is saying it's time to draw near, then let's draw near. We're going we're to do part two next week. We're going to dig into this a little more. I'm going to invite you to stand. Ask the worship team to come. And, uh, and let's, um, before, we, before we formally close the service, we'll do that in a few moments. But let's take a few moments. To respond to the Lord. I don't know what that means for you. I don't know if there are specific areas he's speaking to you that, uh, that he's asking you to let go of. But uh, whatever it means for you this morning, God, we thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. Thank you for your faithfulness. God, you have a desire.
praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for coming to the house of the Lord today. The altars, of course, are open. We have members of the Breakthrough team here to pray with you. Perhaps you've come with a, a burden, need special prayer for. We would invite you to come. Maybe today you need healing in your body. Maybe today you would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe today you just need a, a personal breakthrough where the heavens don't seem like glass any longer to you, but an open heaven to seek the Lord your God. Are we just open as a pastor just declared that the altars are open? If you have to go at this time, God bless you. 